welcome to the Wharton FinTech Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Zauk, and today I sit down with Jane Tran, Head of Solutions at Uncork, one of New York's newest tech unicorns. Uncork is a completely visual, no-code application platform that helps enterprises build complex, custom software much faster, with higher quality and lower costs, all without a single line of code. Backed by companies like BlackRock, Goldman Sachs, and Google, Uncork is serving some of the world's top financial institutions as well as numerous healthcare firms and governments. As head of solutions, Jane is the youngest member of Uncork's senior leadership team and has helped supercharge Uncork from nascent platform to a billion dollar company. In today's episode, Jane and I discuss the problems Uncork solves, some powerful sample use cases, their amazing projects in the pandemic with New York City and Washington, D.C., how she overcomes imposter syndrome, and much more. Let's get started. Hi, Jane, and welcome to the Wharton FinTech Podcast. We're very excited to have you on as a guest today in the wake of Uncork's just incredible growth and success over the last few years. Thanks for having me. Super excited to be here. Great. So to start, Jane, I would love to hear your background up until Uncork. So, you know, you've been in financial services since graduation, jumping across a few blue chip firms, you know, the JP Morgans, Marshes, and of course, MetLife's of the world, and then a pivot to Techstars and then Uncork. So can you just walk us through your journey to Uncork, how it started, and maybe your decision-making process along the way? Yeah. So I started my career at JP Morgan and really got into technology there. So I've always worked for CIOs, heads of businesses. So at JP Morgan, I worked for the office of the CIO doing you know, strategic initiatives, cross-line of business, any hairy problem, that's more or less what I've dealt with. But that's also when I learned that I love tech. So every job afterwards, Marsh, MetLife was always working really closely with CIOs, CTOs, solving some of their most hairy problems. And I think that's what really led me to Uncork, right? I got to sit in the room, you know, while people were making some pretty hard decisions and understanding how they approached like cross line of business initiatives and financial crises and things like that. So I think it was more or less the whole learn from the best and then figure out where do you want to pivot next, really? Great. And so how did you meet Gary and what did kind of the jump to Uncork look like? Because you had been in all of these great positions and then going to a brand new company that, I mean, probably didn't even have the LLC yet when you were getting started. What did that look like in those first 100 days? Yeah. So I met Gary at MetLife and actually left MetLife before Gary did. The reason why I left was I just got a little sick of the bureaucracy of corporate America. And I really wanted just to make change, right? So that's how I jumped into Techstars. Right. The first 100 days of Uncork was really like any sort of startup, understanding product market fit, really diving into our technology and how to pitch this thing to investors and to our clients. We were really lucky because we all came from insurance. So we knew the market really well. And we were we knew that's where we wanted to start. So within, I would actually say within that first 100 days, we've probably figured out the messaging that really stuck and just iterated on it on a daily basis. So now jumping into Uncork itself, what exactly is Uncork for our listeners who might not be familiar? What is no code and what problem is it trying to solve? So Uncork is the first visual drag and drop 
no-code application platform that was built for the enterprise. So we deal with complex custom software with higher quality, lower errors, and it's actually faster time to market as well. The problem that we're trying to solve really is code. So, you know, you've worked at KPMG, you've worked in these large organizations, technology gets antiquated pretty quickly. And with the onslaught of no code, it's to say, you don't really have to think about that anymore, right? Because you're never generating it. We have the ability to say, using our platform, you're never going to generate code. And even if there is new technology out there, we'll make that swap on our end, it'll have no impact to you. And I think that's something that really resonates with our clients and with end our investors. Yeah. So getting to your clients, it's obviously a powerful tool and powerful idea, but at the start, there's definitely a lot of proving ground to get into. So can you just list maybe, you know, what some of your most powerful use cases, you know, were at the start and some of your sample clients? Yeah. So we spent a number of industries where financial services, insurance, public enterprise, and healthcare. Some of our earlier ones are like Liberty and Goldman. We also have State Street, New York City, DC, and Marsh. A great use case that I love talking about is actually around exception management. So we're working with a leading capital markets firm, and they basically wanted us to digitize all of their exception processes and create like a unified digital control center. We did that in six months and the company launched like six projects altogether during that time. And we saved them about 35% and 80% reduction in manual processes. And I think that's amazing. Like normally that would be triple that timeline. Right. That's so powerful and such a great use case for no code. It takes me back to so many projects I did where we were trying to revamp a lot of old processes. Certainly wish we had uncorked back then. So when you engage with these customers and they approach you with their problems, what does the process look like from your end? Yeah, a lot of it is just around scoping, right? So it's scoping with your client what that target state looks like. We're not trying to just digitize an existing process. We're really trying to also change it, right? So there's a lot of things that may work well today or may work one way today, but it's going to work differently tomorrow, right? And given our technology, we can get you there a lot faster. So what is the optimal experience, not just for your customers, but maybe like, you know, your operations team or, you know, an auditing team, et cetera, because everyone's expecting really robust digital experiences now. So a lot of it is really around scoping. And then understanding, you know, the integration, the process flows. And then very quickly from there, it's scheduling out sprints and actually doing the development. But then the client, because we're a visual platform, they get to see the progress near immediately, right? So they get to iterate and see what this thing looks like in production before it actually goes in production. Yeah. So you mentioned these sprints and developments, which I'm sure translate to a lot of meetings and screen shares. I know Uncork also provides trainings for people. It tends to come across my LinkedIn quite a bit as people get certified. So how does Uncork manage this process? You know, is it in-house implementation team or an engagement with consulting firm? Or is a lot of the onus actually on the client to implement? Yeah, so there's a variety of ways. There's no right or wrong way. I think we want everyone to adopt Uncork. So for us, you know, usually we like to do the first solution and we'll hand it off to the customer or to an SI partner to send the build. However, I think a lot of our SI partners are leading a number of initiatives, including KPMG, you know, on their own. So we're trying to be 
as accessible to all the different firms, to third parties, to really just for folks to adopt the technology. So just clarifying, so KPMG and EY can now kind of go to a client and Uncork would be in, you know, its suite of products and services that they would provide, and then you would partner with them. Exactly. We've certified a large number of folks across all the different SI firms, and we're confident that they are just as good as us in the market. And if folks listening to this are interested in getting certified or maybe signing up their companies for some sort of certification, what does the process look like? There's a few ways, right? We have a self-service and a more assisted option. So reach out to a rep and we can sort of get you signed up for that type of training. If it's more of like a partnership, like an SI partner, there's, you know, we'll connect you with our alliance and ecosystems team, but we have self-service training. So it's at your own pace. You can just do it all online, videos, you know, documentation, all of that. Or you can do a more assisted version, you know, where you have trainers message you on your progress, people that need the extra push. We have that version as well. That's great. And so I do want to pivot a little bit. So I think people that are not familiar with Uncork might be shocked to see just the amazing impact that you have had actually on the pandemic. So before 2020, digital transformation was certainly you know a luxury for a lot of companies and especially the government. Then of course, during COVID, everyone is trying to rapidly deploy digital solutions. And so Uncork really stepped up throughout 2020 In the first weeks of the pandemic, you all helped NYC build tracking and donation apps, and then have helped empower governments to distribute COVID relief since then. From your perspective, can you just walk us through, first of all, what these initiatives were, and then what maybe, again, going back to first 100 days, what those first 100 days of COVID looked like for the Uncork team? Yeah, it actually came quite natural to us, right? So we've always been dealing with large enterprises. government entity is a large enterprise. Um, And I think people forget that sometimes. So I think COVID, as you mentioned, accelerated a lot of these use cases. So both for New York City and for DC, we quickly just built COVID relief portals in the early weeks of the pandemic. But this actually just goes into some of the things that we're doing now, right? So we've released like a virtual government services product that basically is relevant to any jurisdiction at a city, state, federal level. You can get your licensing online, you verify your identity, you go through your qualification, and then you can schedule like an interview with a clerk or some sort of government representative to get verified. And actually, just recently, we launched a rent relief. So during the pandemic, a lot of people are having trouble paying their rent. So we've built this rent relief application in six weeks. And basically, it is to distribute the $25 billion in emergency rental assistance that came from the federal government. So there's also a timeline on this, right? Like our, there's people just want to get this money out there. And what we've built is very similar, right? You go through an eligibility flow. We understand the level of need that you need. And then case managers can, again, verify identity, review different documentation, and interact with both tenants and landlords to see whether or not they qualify for this aid. So we're actually in a number of jurisdictions on this one, two today, and then I think nine more in the next couple of weeks. Jane, that's so encouraging to hear. And I feel like one of the few feel-good stories that might have come from 2020, you know, serious kudos to your team for doing all of this on behalf of Americans. Now, one follow-up, I'm sure there were a lot of consulting firms and you know, no-code, low-code platforms banging on the door of the government. Why do you think they chose Uncork? 
I think it's similar to the value proposition that I mentioned earlier with just no code, right? It's our time to market is massive, but it's also time to market with the experience. We are end user facing. So we have, you know, much cleaner UI. It looks like our client's portal, like doesn't look like Uncork, right? We're behind the scenes. And then we also understand things like integrations. I think a lot of projects fail because the integrations are really complex. However, we figured out a way to integrate with third-party services, with system of records in a really easy way. So overall, it's like a full package. So it also makes it a little bit of a no-brainer for a lot of things that are highly regulated. Absolutely. And then I want to go back to you and your role. So what does your day-to-day look like at Uncork as head of solutions and kind of what KPIs or initiatives are you thinking about each day? So as head of solutions, I run three verticals. So I have sales engineering, go-to-market product and enablement. I also built out the solutions architecture function for the whole company back in the day. So essentially my whole job is to ensure and accelerate the adoption of Uncork, right? So from a pre-sales environment, the sales engineers, are they own the technical win, right? So we work with every sales director, every client partner in the company to really understand our clients' needs, again, product market fit, and really representing Uncork in the best way possible to win that deal. And then go-to-market product is all these productized solutions that I just mentioned to you about. So, but this also understands a bit, a little bit, this dives a little bit more into understanding the market, understanding what is actually selling, working with the sales teams, talking to clients to say, all right, this is the right time to do this, or where can we pivot or learning through different sales cycles, like what worked and what didn't work. So it's a very cyclical job, which is really cool. And then underneath all of that, I think the enablement team is one of the strongest teams. And so they are really in charge of how do you learn software using something called no code? Because we're not getting rid of software. We're basically trying to increase its accessibility, right? So everything that they're doing with their foundational learning paths, with certification, is really how do we accelerate getting this thing in front of everyone and making people want to learn on Cork? And that is across the entire client lifecycle from pre-sales to post. And then so more of maybe a managerial question, but how did you think about setting up the interactions and cadence with these different teams? Are you kind of having weekly meetings? Is it daily or kind of monthly big you know, goal setting? And then you're checking in a few weeks later. So I'm a really big fan of communication and transparency. So we do make weekly <laughs> at a team, but we're probably talking a lot throughout the day through Slack, you know, mostly through Slack. <laughs> but um, the big thing that I think this team has done well was sort of develop relationships with each other. Like I'm not a bottleneck for them whatsoever. And they're empowered. They know how to resolve their own issues, but they also know when to ask for help. And they understand that actually their functions all flow into one another. So it's just like a web of communication amongst the different people within the team. And so, of course, the members of these teams in such a rapidly growing startup had to be, I don't even know if I can call Uncork a startup anymore. They're getting so big. But you had to scale this team so quickly. How did you think about scaling this team and making hiring decisions? What were you looking for and what are you looking for? As I know, Uncork is still hiring quite aggressively. 
I think it actually starts with good managers. I do believe that culture like starts from the top and then the managing teams like take that and it sort of permeates throughout the different, you know, throughout the different organizations. And so knowing what you need, I think is really important in terms of not just qualifications, but sometimes a lot of the things that you may not put on a resume, right? Like it's the way that they talk about some of the relationships. It's the way that they solve problems. There's a lot of the things is different than like they went to a school, they, you know, had this previous experience. I think it's a lot of the things that are in between the line, you know, that we know that will be a good, not just a cultural fit, but like, you know, that they represent your leadership style and will do it justice is really it. So I think a lot of it is through hiring. And then I think the other piece of it is defining the right goals, not just at the departmental level, but then also making sure that it trickles down from each sub-department and then each individual contributor understanding how they fit within that. We have a lot of stars in this company, and I think we have to make sure that they're continually challenged and that they have a career path and growth in the company. Right. And speaking of rising stars, Jane, I mean, you came into this role with maybe not the most management experience versus some of your peers who are 20, 30-year industry veterans and former partners, how much of your management style and development was figuring it out on the fly versus you know, relying on a lot of prior experience and knowledge? Yeah, I think it's sort of a mix. I think from my previous experiences, I knew what I didn't want to be. So then it, it sort of helped drive me to be what I wanted to be. I think being like the youngest member of the management team, I think I always deal with things like imposter syndrome and stuff like that. But I do know that I'm here for a reason. So I didn't treat it like solving a problem in a way. Like I know I'm very good at solving problems. So it's like trying to figure out like what makes the most sense for me, but also like, but would still represent the best interests of the company and also for all the people within my team, because I, I care a lot about them. Absolutely. And do you have any other advice for young leaders that have been vaulted into these great managerial roles in tech companies? You mentioned you know, having to overcome imposter syndrome, which is something that I think everyone deals with, whether they will admit it or not. And just you know, really leading this high growth organization next to these huge industry veterans. Yeah, I think a lot of it is know that you're there for a reason and that you have a job to do, right? At the end of the day, I know that as head of solutions, I'm responsible for X, Y, and Z. And like, if I do that, I've done my job, right? So like, if anything, anchor that you can do your job to get rid of your imposter syndrome. (laughs) And then from there, like, you know, you'll see the relationships that you have and see how it evolves. But like, be less worried about the imposter syndrome, just like, how do you do your job right? And then from there, I think everything will fall into place. And then last question, I think I always have to ask this. How has your managing and leadership style changed during a pandemic? Uncork, obviously a very digitally native, creative, forward-thinking company, but going fully remote is still a huge challenge for any organization. How did you and your team handle this? So we were lucky. I think we've always, we went to Zoom culture, I think, pretty easily. So again, it's like really just making sure that, you know, you're checking in with folks at different parts of the day if it's through a Zoom meeting, if it's through Slack or however. But I do think what has changed is just understanding a bit of that balance. I think Zoom fatigue is real. 
and just really understanding when it's like, Absolutely. you know what, maybe you could message them at this time, but do you really want to? And like just doing it the next day. So defining some of the boundaries, I think for folks, I think is actually really important during this. And so Jane, you've reached the final part of the episode, which is the rapid fire question round. We've got about 10 or so questions for you. Max, 10 second response each. Are you ready? Let's do this. <laughs> All right. First one, who is your fintech or tech hero? Oh, that's hard. Gary Hoberman. <laughs> safe, politically safe answer. <laughs> How about your leadership hero? I think myself. Oh, I love that answer. <laughs> um, how about favorite book? Haruki Murakami, Dance, Dance, Dance. What is that book about? It's a bunch of short stories. Basically, this guy listens to a ton of jazz, meets a bunch of random people. It's uh, very quiet, but it's a good read. All right, I'll have to add it to my list. Now, how about morning routine and how you handle your inbox each day? Coffee, gym, emails. Actually, it's really reading a ton of news and then emails. I'm not a zero inbox person, but I need to not have any unread messages. All right. And then what is the quarantine hobby that you picked up? Didn't pick one up, actually. None. Okay. So then None. Current, it's all routine. All routine. No routine yeah. break during the pandemic. Yeah. No routine break. Oh, wow. You're better than most of us. <laughs> all right. So how about going back to quarantine? Let's say the world is fully vaccinated. COVID is a distant memory. What is the first vacation that you will be going on? Oaxaca, Mexico. Awesome place. And last question, what do you miss most about the office? The people. You don't bump into people randomly anymore. And that's really nice. Well, Jane, it was fantastic to have you on today's episode of the Wharton FinTech Podcast. Very excited to get this episode, your story, and Uncork story out to all of our listeners. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Wharton FinTech Podcast. If you like the show, please consider leaving us a review. And if you're looking for more FinTech content, subscribe to our podcast channel and find us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and Medium at Wharton FinTech. There you will find articles, videos, and much more analyzing all aspects of the industry. I've linked our accounts in the episode description. I would also like to thank our editor, Rafael Ostria, for his incredible work on our episodes. Signing off, I'm your host, Ryan Zauk.